0: And welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Jen, your host today, and I'm here with a, a friend of the show, a friend of the library with whom we've done many um, events around many fantastic books, and we are so glad to have him back. Could I ask you to introduce yourself and your new book, please?
1: Hey, uh, my name is Clay McLeod Chapman, and I wrote What Kind of Mother?
0: <laughs> this is, oh my gosh, it was such a del- like I, I was going to say delight but it's also like obviously <laughs> a horror to read like it's a really it's a it's a phenomenal experience and you did an event with us last year about ghost eaters which yeah. at this point I had thought that that was your best and most upsetting book but many people including myself are saying that this is your best and most upsetting book to date so I'm wondering if we could start out by talking a little bit maybe about your journey from the last book to this one Was it the order that they were written in and did you you know did you do a pivot like do you feel like you were pivoting or hitting the same themes or like what was that kind of journey like
1: that's amazing mm-hmm. um is it I I have the app is it worse is it more is it (laughs) more upsetting than ghost eaters I honestly like I I didn't think I would be able to top ghost not that it not that it's a competition you know not not that we're trying to like one up one another but like I don't know like I feel I'm I'm pleasantly surprised I'll 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 take it but like it's (laughs) it's just funny to hear that uh (laughs) (laughs) that that maybe the bar has either raised or maybe it's lowered I don't know what one's you know I guess it I guess it depends on on the the reader
0: (laughs) I mean for me I feel like um like ghost eaters really disturbed me as well but like what kind of mother like revealed new fears to me (laughs) like like showed me things that I didn't know I was afraid of yet and I'm like oh yeah okay I'm afraid of this now too
1: (laughs) Oh, let's add that to the list.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) No, it's, it's funny. Uh, I, I've kind of realized this, um, in, in the, the kind of, I've been very fortunate to be working with the same publisher, same editor. Like they, they really, they kind of take really good care of me and, um, they've allowed me to kind of (laughs) tell these stories and, um, it's, uh, but the, what I find is that each book is kind of in conversation with one another, or maybe it's even kind of in conversation with the readers. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I do that awful thing that I know you're not supposed to do, which is read Goodreads reviews and read Amazon reviews and read, I read reviews. I I read every, I like, if I know it's out there, I, I, you know, God help me. I have to, I have to know, I have to read it for myself, see it for myself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, (laughs) <laughs> so, for ghost eaters, it like, you know, the, the 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 kind of conversation that was happening around that book, you know, I, you're, I guess you're always looking for kind of like a, a uniformity of thought or like an opinion that you could be like, oh, this is what the world thinks of this book. Um, and I, and I think like a lot of the feedback for ghost eaters was was kind of like, oh, this is really cr- weird, creepy, you know, it it's it's, you know, like, it's, it's always interesting when like readers kind of talk about their, what, what they expect a book to be about and what it ends up being about. And if those two are not necessarily the, the same thing, um, I always find that really, really interesting that like you can, I mean, I do, everybody does it. Like you, you read a, a book jacket and you're like, oh, wow, this is what I imagine this book is about. That's totally my wheelhouse. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to read it. And then, you know, sometimes you'll be like whoa that's totally not what i expected or it totally like subverted my expectations and that is really fun um but i think i think with ghost eaters there was this vibe of like <laughs> some of the characters are not necessarily the most likable i guess or they're <laughs> not you know that they're i don't know apathetic 20 somethings kind of like at at you know at sea uh in their young adulthood and um I don't know. I I think the lesson, the takeaway that I have from Ghost Eaters is that uh, people (laughs) want to be spooked out, but they want to do it with a character that they like, Um, which is such a strange concept when you think about it. Um, So I the challenge posed that I posed for myself was like how how to win or solicit Empathy, sympathy for a protagonist who might be doing morally, ethically questionable things. Um, and and but 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 coming from a place of love. I think that's this is the longest-winded answer to get to the answer, which is like, I I wrote what kind of mother from a place of love uh going into it. I was like, I was like, oh, a ghost eaters, this is the vibe that I was going for, but now I'm gonna. I want to write from love <laughs> that was my that was the goal
0: that's super interesting you know and I like I had thought that my experience with the ghost eaters was like because yeah a lot of those characters did like rankle me a little bit but I always thought that that was like me bringing my own stuff to it because like I find it very hard in general to like read characters in their 20s because like I remember my 20s and I don't like that person very much anymore and you know so it's like it's it's that self-reflective thing for me like <laughs>
1: No, I I was not a good person in my 20s. I don't know if I'm a good person now, but like, <laughs> you, like there's there's definitely like you 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 get these you see yourself in your 20s and you're just like, oh, my God, like this. I, I don't know, for me, particularly like, uh, you know, vain, selfish, not not like you're just not you're just, you're still a kid, you know? And you're, just because you've been endowed with adulthood doesn't mean you're an adult yet that you're responsible or mature. And uh, yeah, like you do stupid stuff in your twenties because that's what your twenties your are kind of there for. I hope, I think, um, and uh, writing about those, that, that kind of age range is, it, you know, I I, I feel like if you do a warts and all version of it, like they're, they can be kind of like not, not fun people. So here's a very mature, (laughs) not, here's a 30, someone in their 30s. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, like I'm, I'm aging up. I'm in, I'm in a a zone or a generation that may, uh, that readers may uh, approach a little bit more sympathetically, hopefully. Still doing weird, bad. Things making bad choices, but uh, (laughs) in your 30s,
0: sure, yeah. I mean, like, and the bad choices you make in your 30s are like completely different from the bad choices that you make in your 20s. Um, so that's a good segue to Maddie, who like I do love, and I do love Henry. We'll get to him, like, talk a little bit about Maddie and sort of like, um, yeah, like where she finds herself at the beginning of the novel, and like, sort of what. What you like, was there anything else you feel like sort of shaped her beyond like, a, you know, sort of challenging yourself anew after Ghost Eaters?
1: I You know, it's funny, like I, I, I pulled from a lot of different spots. Um, the the region, the, the kind of area that the book takes place is a, a place that I spent a lot of my childhood and grew up in. Um, and to a certain extent, and I got to tread carefully because I don't want my mom to think that I'm writing about her because I'm not but I kind of am like I like like my mom I I was raised in a single mother family only child it was just me and my mom and she she's a potter so like craft like like a like a like a like a hands-on kind of like this is her craft this is what she did for a living um like putting her work kind of on her shoulders and kind of carrying it you know uh, you know from craft fair to art fair to you name it like that was that was her life and growing up in that I was very kind of aware of you know like a certain kind of hand to mouthness to it a certain kind of like you know we weren't living in that mansion on the hill and you know but what what my mom kind of taught me was this idea of like you do what you love and you know it doesn't matter if you uh make a gazillion dollars off of it because it's, it's, it's about, you know, doing something with your life that, that has value. And uh, to whatever extent, I think that that kind of carries over a little bit into Maddie where, you know, she doesn't, you know, she's a, a, a palm reader, a, a kind of like, you know, I want to be careful and I don't want to, she's, she's portends to be a psychic, but kind of openly admits to the reader at least that she's not really a psychic um and uh but that there is a certain kind of uh she provides or offers a certain kind of uh comfort or solace to those people who who come to her and um she may not really be able to read into their future but but by giving people a an ear to listen to a shoulder to cry on it it kind of creates its own therapeutic cathartic environment mm. um and I, like to whatever extent, like that was, I, I was kind of pulling from my own upbringing, you know, as a, an only child being raised by a, by a mom who like struggled, you know, it was, it wasn't, you know, we were, we weren't living like Maddie was living, but, but we were definitely, you know, in that, that kind of like day to day, like, you know, I got like, mom had to work, she had to work. um, So yeah, that, that was kind of, an early point of inspiration, but also like all of these different, uh, <laughs> like the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Like I'm all over the place with this character, but uh, you know, I, in, in doing my kind of research and reading up on um, uh, psychics and, and, you know, the kind of true crime element of uh, those those people, the the kind of psychics who come into police stations and say, I have a vision, I've seen, you know, i you you're looking for a missing person and I can help, you know, guide you to that, that, that person, like those stories were endlessly fascinating for me. And I, I like, I read so many of those books and, um, you know, it was such a really, truly kind of like I I I was it was such ambrosia to my research mind because like I I couldn't get enough of that that kind of dynamic of someone who says they're a psychic they've had these visions they know where the body of some missing person is or they know where like they can lead you to the killer and like all of that 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 kind of fodder that happens in the real world really truly uh, was uh, its own. of lodestar uh in the writing of this
0: wow yeah that is like an absolutely fascinating um phenomenon and i think that's part of what makes maddie really sympathetic is that like she is aware of like her proximity (laughs) to that like (laughs) whole sphere and like doesn't really want to get too close to it and so she's trying to sort of keep it within like like an ethical boundary with which she can like live you know and that's like a it's a really hard struggle and it really makes her very sympathetic i think
1: Well it's and I and I have to give credit where credit is due because uh my editor really we we didn't tug of war as much as we kind of had a long kind of discussion about the 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 kind of the level of sympathy that we wanted the reader to feel for Maddie. Because like in early, early draft, like the first draft, uh I had her as more of a exploitative type, like that like she was doing this for the monetary gain for the the kind of like you know i don't <laughs> i don't want to call anyone out but like you know there's like the the sylvia browns of the world or the long island psychics of the world and like you 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 get a sense of like these are these are you know personalities who have found a, a an audience uh a revenue stream and uh whether or not they can actually do the things that they say they are doing they are doing them and people believe them and uh you know uh, because they reach that certain kind of celebrity status like it it becomes like the higher you go the the harder you know steeper you fall um and i thought like wouldn't it be amazing to like write from the perspective of someone who was of that level of celebrity status and like was someone like that but then gets caught in a lie like basically, like is exposed as a sham and then has to come home uh and kind of lick her wounds and kind of start over fresh. And <laughs> that was that was like the prelude, that was the prologue to everything. And my editor was like, Really? You really wanna you wanna start there with someone who's like done something who's that is very ethically questionable and very kind of morally reprehensible, and then you wanna try to like elicit a certain kind of sympathy from your reader. <laughs> She didn't tell me I couldn't do it as much as she was like, she just did that, like, really? You know, yeah. like, like like yeah. the moment you ask a question, and you're like,
0: huh? Okay.
1: Um, and I saw the error of my ways.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. And I love like the way that characters evolve through drafts. And uh it's that's a really interesting starting place for her. Um, I was really struck by what you said about or as a single mother, because I am also a product of a single mom home. I do have a sister, so I was not an only child. But a lot of, um, a lot of it, like, felt very real. And also, like, sort of, I feel like, you know, actually helped me to feel more sympathetic, I think, to my own mother, like, in that period. Because, like, you don't, like, while it was happening, I, you know, like, most kids, like, (laughs) a lot of the struggle was hidden from me you know or yeah. just not apparent yeah. to me because of the, my own limitations or what have you and so it did like really i think give me a lot more context for like my own experience in a lot of ways which was super interesting
1: yeah parenting is tough like parenting and, and i i kind of look back and i you know i've said this in, in certain kind of ways and shapes and forms to my mother in the past but like there's that moment where you kind of acknowledge, like, oh man, I was a jerk, wasn't I? Like I'm I i did not make things any easier for you, did I? Um and uh yeah, so I as a parent now, uh still married, family of, you know, we have our our kind of family and we have two children, my wife and I. Uh like we're <laughs> we're a it every minute is accounted for. And like to to think of doing any of that by myself is terrifying. Like, I just, I I uh, would never wish that upon anyone. People do it, and they do it well, and they do it amazingly, and they are heroes. I don't know if I have that within me. Because yeah. uh, if I had to raise me as a kid, ugh, that would be, <laughs> holy terror.
0: That's hilarious. I really hope my sister doesn't listen to this, because I think that I was pretty easy to raise, but she was not, you know? So, <laughs> but like, um, you know, it did even, like, it, but it even... But, but I think the thing that did really touch me and, and, you know, is that like the sort of having to deal with like being the present parent, but then having the absent parent be the oh. one that is sort of like where your kid's attention is just because of the situation. And I'm like, yeah, that was totally me. Like I felt I was so much more aware of the absence than I was of the presence that was there. And that was like really, very, very touching for me. And it like I had a nice phone call with my mom. So <laughs> oh,
1: love you. That's the best. If if this reading this book makes you call your mom, that's yeah. that's a thumbs up right there. I will take that happily. <laughs> so,
0: could you talk a little bit more about the setting? Because you did talk about your um, your experience with the area, and it does feel very like um, evocative and lived in, and that totally comes through. Um, I'd love if you could talk a little bit about like how how setting and character maybe interact because I feel like the landscape is very alive and it shapes not just like the characters but like the, the plot too in a lot of yeah. ways and without talking too much about like where things go but it like affects developments in very direct ways so could you talk yeah. a little about that um it's funny
1: I mean like I I mean I grew up in the south Virginia is my home I live in New York but I still feel like if I close my eyes my kind of like mental emotional geographical default is always Virginia um particularly when it comes to writing stories and um I don't know there's something about and I've never but I've never written specifically about the Chesapeake Bay in that particular area and I I you know like I love southern gothic but I don't know if there'd ever been I mean I'm sure there has and uh you know, anyone who listens, to this is going to be able to list off like five of them, but like, like Chesapeake Bay Gothic is such a cool kind of like, I, like, I, like, I just wanted to write about the the river and the, the, the bay and the kind of tributaries and the creeks and the, um, because I did grow up in that. And I did grow up kind of around, like my grandfather was a crabber, like, like all all, like, like all of this stuff that, uh, a lot of the things that are kind of spoken of in the book the duck blind i grew up like across, like i look could look out the window and see that duck blind um like i know like that place exists and it just steeped itself into kind of my mind and my kind of like fabric that when it came time to write this book and tell this story it was it was just this this kind of very organic default of like writing about the river that i knew Um, so a lot of those places like live down, like they are there. I could take you on a walking tour. Um, but, uh, you know, it's funny because you did, I mean, you, you know, no spoilers, but like the, what is, what I love about say Southern Gothic, what I love about like folk horror is that the environment is a palpable presence. It is a character within those Mm -hmm. books Um, to the extent that like you have to kind of the region is very it it almost kind of dictates the kind of tone and the vibe of the story and with what kind of mother like it 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 quite literally shapes uh the the some of the characters and uh I I just felt like and that was kind of a actually a bit of a happy accident in the writing and revising of the book where um the version of the story that i pitched was a much more uh, muted maybe tr- more traditional kind of uh, I, I almost like a ghost story like it, it it felt more like a kind of supernatural uh uh like the, a ghost story that we may be familiar with um but as a kind of as someone who kind of like imbibed pretty heavily on folklore and 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 you know, kind of like absorbing a lot of that into the writing of this book it it kind of shifted where like the region, the water, the kind of location, the kind of geography, the topography like the whole like the land itself had to like seep in sometimes quite literally to these people um to the extent that like whatever those supernatural kind of traditional more kind of meat and potato underpinnings of the story were at the beginning of the process kind of evolved into this other thing, still supernatural, still kind of of its own, like still, you know, kind of has its roots in that, but it just became something a little bit more, a little bit kind of like off center, uh, askew. And, um, I love that. Like it was a kind of a happy organic accident.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as you were speaking, it did occur to me that like, Yeah, there are folk horror elements, but also like Maddie is sort of like in this context, like a perfect gothic heroine, right? Because like the walls between reality and delusion and like nightmare are collapsing for her. Uh, And like the outer world is expressing like a lot of her inner state too, like sort of through like nature Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, too. So that is like that's super interesting. (laughs) Something gothic, man. It's great. It's it's like,
1: you know this is a little, I mean, like, I, I just, God, you know, just reading that Flannery O'Connor as a kid and just like, you know, imbibing the, the, the Faulkner of it all. And like, but, but like, but like pushing those, those elements, you know, to their, you know, infinite degree. Like I don't think this book is subtle in any way. Uh, So it, you know, it, it almost kind of takes those kind of Southern Gothic underpinnings and, and, either cranks it up to her 11 or just makes them palpable, like makes like when his subtext for Flannery and Connor becomes like yeah. surface <laughs> there's you get there's,
0: like German expressionism. Is, <laughs> <that's
1: why> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I this is Bouteau, Southern Bouteau theater.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I really do appreciate too, that like, you know, with, Maddie being the protagonist and sort of her being on the margins like it is a thing that like both southern gothic and horror do a lot which is like depicting life on the margins and like balancing both like the you know the extraordinary horror of like a monster or a terrible situation or a a serial killer or what have you with like the everyday horror of just trying to survive like in the regular world you know (laughs) isn't that enough that's horrifying enough
1: like just like you want to like, I I feel like the, the kind of the pedestrian domestic horrors of like, I have to pay rent. <laughs> like that's scary. Yes. <laughs> you know, I have to do it with the kid. Um, that's terrifying <laughs> before you add monsters into it. Then it's like, oh my God, now I have to like pay rent and battle a monster. This is, this is my life.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. The rent doesn't go away, you know, like, <laughs> wow. Um, could you talk a little bit more just before we wrap up about Henry? Um, because he's also like a really extraordinary character who is sort of like very much of the world of the book, like of the Chesapeake Bay area, but also very much like outside of it and like never really fully a member of it. And like when I think of him and Maddie, you know, I think um, in the in the preface or in your note with my arc, it says uh, that it's the story is like, um. Nicholas Sparks gone wrong, you know? <laughs> and so if you could talk a little bit about him and sort of like the romance, and I guess how you balance like romance and horror, because they both like depend on tension, on tension, like between yeah. like what pushes people together, what draws them apart, between yeah. what you depict, what you do not depict, you know, like can you talk about how those elements work together through Henry? <laughs> I mean,
1: it's fun. Like horror, like romance is like so tense because it's like, you know, a lot of, when you, when you speak in terms of film, everybody talks about how the the kind of machinations of comedy and horror follow the same beats. But in a weird way, I think romance and horror follow similar beats where it's like, there's like this, that, that tension that you're speaking of, of like, will they, or won't they? Will they, or won't they? And like, I think the best romances kind of draw that out as long as they can, almost to like a, a snapping point and um you know i initially up front one of the challenges i wanted to pose myself structural challenges uh for writing this book was that idea of a nicholas sparks novel gone wrong like like to kind of if if someone were to pick this book up sight unseen and not read it read the the jacket that they could assume that they could go in blind And and without knowing the genre, be like, oh, this is a, like, this is a romance. This is a, like a, you know, a woman comes back to her hometown, like, you know, reconnects to her old flame. And, you know, they, they have, they reach a kind of emotional honesty that they couldn't find in their previous, you know, previous selves. And now, you know, and then, and then like at a halfway point, everything, Goes to hell, <laughs> you know? and, like, and I, I wanted that kind of formal obstruction of like a book shifting in tone to a, to a certain degree. I mean, it doesn't. It's not like it's not on a dime, or it's not like. I mean, I think anyone coming into this book is gonna like vibe on it. But like, at least, at least there's like the fighting chance that if someone's not paying attention, they're like, oh wow, I just picked up a Nicholas Sparks novel um
0: absolutely yeah there's a little bit of like a you know the the frog in the slowly boiling water thing you know totally
1: totally (laughs) but Henry and I'm going to totally come clean like I have very I have talked so little about Henry uh that like I I don't know if I have an answer yet but other than so I'm gonna mealy mouth this um but like Henry you know to whatever extent like i i mean this is this is totally maddie's story this is her this is her book and and henry you know but in that that sense of it's taking two to tango henry henry is the kind of like you know i guess with like star-crossed lovers it's like you know like of all the people to walk into my life right now it had to be you and like like because like the story needs It needs the two of them and it needed two kind of wounded people two broken souls two people in need to kind of fulfill something in one another um and you know no spoilers but but to manifest something more than either of them could kind of be responsible for individually like they need each other very much like quite literally they need one another's kind of pain and kind of you know it, it, it's almost like henry to me is this kind of raw it's like a a raw live wire it's like that like something that got kind of snapped and pulled out and if you touch it you know you're gonna you're gonna get a shock um but matty is the kind of insulation or the the kind of the structure that kind of contains that that energy that live wire and gives it shape Um, in, in, I don't know, like I, I could imagine if Maddie did not come back home, that Henry would be this kind of recluse, you know, like someone who just kind of like goes about his life, like stuck in this cycle of grief and of kind of pain. Um, and he would never break out of it. He could never do that on his own. It took Maddie to kind of, you know, no pun intended, just pull him out of his shell
0: yeah <laughs> yeah, for better or for worse right like <laughs>
1: <yeah>. <laughs> oh, so
0: well this has been fantastic thank you so much for not only for coming on the show but for sharing this book with me like it was just I I, I it's going to be one of my favorite books of the year and I'm going to be thinking about it for a really long time so just thank you so much
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me on and thank you for the kind words I hope uh Yeah. Let's find 10,000 more of you. Let's find like, let's find this, this, who, who, who's going to read this book? All those Nicholas Sparks readers have to find this book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll, I'll start hand selling it like crazy, you know, up at the, (laughs) up at the reader's desk here at the library. Um, Yeah. Thank you again. And listeners, please pick up what kind of mother Uh, it's going to be available by the time that you hear this episode. So head right over to your favorite independent bookstore or library, wherever you like to go get your books. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. It is now time to close this chapter.
1: It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page.
0: Join us for the next episode.